As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm going to crack a soda. Sorry, everyone. Delicious seltzer water. So this is going to be a little bit weird because we're recording right after Jordan Con, but it'll be released like two months later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you've heard a lot of the quick content that was Jordan Con, and we're just coming off that high. So if you want to know what we're up to, go back and listen to those episodes. <laughs> so I think what we're going to do is basically at the end of Jordan Con, we couldn't quite finish up chapter 57, and we cut it at Rand is the Karakarn. So today we are actually going to finish chapter 57 and do all of 58 and just call that one episode. Yeah, we kind of ran out of time at our live recording panel and other people needed the room and we didn't want to be jerks, so we cut it a little short. So this chapter will be slightly different than usual. It will be kind of the end of one chapter. It, it, it will begin at the end of end of 57 and then I'll announce it, but we'll be we'll go right into 58, which is kind of makes sense anyway because Rand opens a gateway when the chapter ends and as at the beginning of the next one, he's walking through it. This is the wheel of time spoilers podcast. Your hosts are Seth Jacobson and Patrick Heiler. Hi, I'm Seth and I'm Patrick. And where we left off in the last episode were a large group of clan chiefs kind of confronting Kuladin and all of that. And they all, Rand says out loud what happens when you go to Ruidian as a man. And then they all agree that he is the, he is the one that is, was chosen by Ruidian, not Kuladin. And so they're all saying Randall Thor is he who comes with the dawn and they all kind of go around and they're each one agrees. And then Randall Thor, Ruark said, is he who comes with the dawn in a voice too soft to carry even from the ledge. He added, and the light have mercy on us for a long stretched moment. The silence lasted. Then Kuladin leapt snarling from the ledge, snatching a spear from one of his Sayadun, which I think is, is that black eyes? Black eyes. You had it right. Awesome. 
I only remembered because that's somehow easy to associate with Cooladin. Yeah, Black-Eyed Chido. It's uh, definitely uh, something that comes out a lot. Snatching a spear from one of his Sayadun, hurling it straight at Rand. Yet as he moved down, Adelin leapt up, his spear point stabbed through the layered bullhide of her outstretched buckler, swinging her around. Pandemonium exploded through the canyon, men shouting and shoving. The other Jindo maidens jumped up beside Adelin, forming a screen in front of Rand. Savannah had climbed down to shout urgently at Kuladin, hanging on his arm as he tried to lead his Shido black eyes against the maidens between him and Rand. Hairn and a dozen more Tardad Sept chiefs joined Adelin, spears ready, but others were shouting loudly. Matt scrambled up, gripping his black-hafted spear with its raven-marked sword point, roaring what had to be curses in the old tongue. Ruark and the other clan chiefs raised their voices, vainly trying to restore order. The canyon boiled like a cauldron. Rand saw veils lifted. A spear flashed, stabbing. Another. He had to stop this. He reached out for Sidene, and it flooded into him until he, he would burst, if not burn first. The filth of the taint spreading through him seemed to curdle his bones. Thought floated outside the void. Cold thought. Water. Here, where water was so scarce. The Aiel always talked of water. Even in this dry air there was some water. He channeled, not really knowing what he did, reached out blindly. Sharp lightning crackled above Alcair Dal, and the wind rushed in from every direction, howling across the lip of the canyon to drown the Aiel shouts. Wind, bringing minute traces of water, more and more, until something happened no man had ever seen there. A mist of rain began to fall. The wind above shrieked and swirled. Wild lightning streaked the sky, and rain grew heavier and heavier to a driving downpour, sweeping over the ledge, plastering his hair to his head and his shirt to his back, blanking out everything fifty paces away. Abruptly, the rain stopped hitting him, and an invisible dome expanded around him, pushing Matt and the Tardat away. Through the water pouring down its side, he could dimly see Adele and pounding at it, trying to force her way through to him. You utter fool, playing games with these other fools, wasting all my planning and effort. I thought I might land pause fear. there. Yeah, Lanfear alert. <laughs> uh, I always really love that scene when Lanfear throws the shield up around her and Rand so they can talk in the middle of a battle. She's like, what are you doing, you dumbass? <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> I like a little bit Matt is roaring the old tongue. Just cursing in the old tongue. Because so, uh, he's just gotten those memories in his head, and now he's fully fluent in the old tongue. And, and But it's before he really has control, and he's like always keeps slipping into the old tongue as soon as he's distracted, yeah. which I love. He gets control. He gets better control of that lately. He, later, he's able to sort of control, which, which when he, once he realizes he's doing it. <laughs> but I love the image of Rand making it rain where no rain has ever been before. It's like if anything will snap them out of this, it's rain. It's truly a miracle to them, something they've never seen. I didn't expect you to reveal yourself yet, he said quietly. The power still filled him. He rode the buffeting torrents, holding on with desperation he kept out of his voice. It was not necessary to pull in more, only to let it come till it seemed his bones would crisp to ash. He did not know if she could shield him while Sidene roared through him, but he let it fill him against the possibility. I know you're not alone. Where is he? Lanfear's beautiful mouth tightened. 
I knew he would give himself away coming into your dream. I could have managed matters if this panic I knew from the start. He broke in. I expected it from the day I left the Stone of Tear. Out here, where anyone could see I was fixed on Ruidian and the Aiel? Do you think I did not expect some of you to come after me? But the trap is mine, Lanfear, not yours. Where is he? The last came as a cold shout. Emotion skittered uncontrollably around the void that surrounded him inside. The emptiness that was not empty. The emptiness filled with the power. That passage is one we've used a lot in, the, in this book because this tells us that he was planning to trap Asmodian from the start. And I believe him. I believe that that was part of why he was out there was to basically draw in, make himself look vulnerable and draw in someone he could capture and someone who would teach him how to how to channel. Yeah. And, and we based a lot of his actions and his statements and his motivation over the last book uh, on that theory. If you knew, she snapped back, why did you chase him away with your talk of fulfilling your destiny, of doing what has to be done? Scorn weighted the words like stones. I brought Asmodian to teach you, but he was always one to leap to another plan if the first proved difficult. Now he thinks he has found something better for himself in Ruidian, and he is off to take it while you stand here. Kuladin, the drag car, all to hold your attention while he made sure. All my plans for nothing— because you must be so stubborn. Do you have any idea what effort it will take for me to convince him again? It must be him. Demondred or Ravine or Samael would kill you before teaching you to lift a hand unless they have you bound like a dog at heel. Ruidian. Yes, of course. Ruidian. How many weeks to the south? Yet he had done something once, if he could remember how. And you let him go? After all your talk of aiding me? That gives us a lot of, motive of Asmodian's motivation. Because right now he saw the Choden call. He realized they're back. Uh, I believe he was questioning Matt. And then he created this distraction with Kuladin. That's why he was over there. And then he sent the Drakar also that Rand would be distracted. And he could teleport back. Scout out Ruidian and find the Choden call. And give himself time. Yeah, scout out. While having all the time in the world. Because he thinks that Rand is never going he was thinking like hey i can teach rand and basically we can corrupt him because all right so i'm going back to moraine's visions where Landfear shows up and one of three things happens right rand is either dead turns to the dark side or moraine takes him out takes her out right right and so i think that that was Landfear's plan was let's get rand being taught by asmodian and asmodian who's, who's still attached to the dark one and we will slowly corrupt him and turn him uh to the dark one nodding and so that was asmodian and lanfear's plan but asmodian after talking to rand where rand's just like i'm gonna do what i must i'm gonna do what i must i'm gonna do what has to be done he's like oh my god this guy's gonna suicide like i'm like why why would i aid myself with this guy who's just gonna like never turn to the dark side he's always gonna be like a goody goody two shoes and like yeah unflinchingly dork. yeah like he's he's not, he won't negotiate with me I think is what Asmodian's thinking. Exactly. Exactly. We'll never, we'll never turn this guy. We'll never come out on top with him. Like, and you know, Hey, too great. If I can get that male song, all doesn't much matter. You know, I'll just crush him like a bug. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we don't have to turn him. I'll just crush him. And that, yeah, that just explains a lot of the events, all the, the tattooing he did on Guladin, why there was that random ass attack by the Drakkar, all that, all that stuff. And you let him go after all your talk of aiding me. Not openly, I said. What could he find in Ruidian? 
worth my coming into the open. When you agree to stand with me, will be time enough. Remember what I told you, Luz Theron. Her voice took on a seductive note. Those lips curved. Those dark eyes tried to swallow him like bottomless pools. Two great sighing gr- grial. With those together, we can challenge... This time she stopped on her own. He had remembered. With the power, he folded reality. Bent, a small patch of what was. A door opened beneath the dome in front of him. That was the only way to describe it. An opening, into darkness, into somewhere else. You do remember a few things, it seems. She eyed the doorway, shifted that suddenly suspicious gaze to him. Why are you so anxious? What is in Ruidian? Asmodian, he said grimly. For a moment, he hesitated. He could not see beyond the rain-drenched dome. What was happening out there? And Lanfear. If only he could remember how he had shielded Egwene and Elaine. If only I could make myself kill a woman who's only frowning at me. She's one of the forsaken. It was no more possible now than it had been in the stone. Stepping through the door, he left her on the ledge and closed it behind him. No doubt she knew how to make one of her own, but the making of it would slow her down. He does remember a few things, it seems. I think this is the first evidence we get. We've, a few phrases have maybe slipped across, but isn't it the fir- this is the first weave that Rand has used from his previous memories? Yeah, I mean, this is the second time he's done it. What was the first? The battle at the battle in Shinar when he arrives in the in Tarwin's Gap and kills a bunch of Trollocs. See, I always thought that was. I mean, he makes a gateway, but it's a gateway to Teleron Riyadh. Gotcha. And also in the stone, he teleports into Teleron Riyadh, which is a gateway. So what yeah. I'm thinking is the gateway he's using here is very similar to the one to go to the Teleron, Teleron Riyadh in the flesh. And skimming is actually basically doing what Egwene did, which is jump into Teleron Riyadh in the flesh, move yourself a certain distance, and pop out the other end. Um, in the real world. I like it. And, you know, we talked about this the first time so long ago when, like, reality bends and he's walking upstairs to somewhere. Yeah. And we're like, what is this? And I think it's it's Rand skimming, but he doesn't know how to make the platform, or he doesn't know to make a platform that hovers. So he makes yeah. what something that he can understand, which is stairs. Yeah. <laughs> because he basically lives in the Iron Age. So maybe when... You know, he's able to recreate the weave that Baalzamon puts up there, and that is how he's able to skim for the first time. There's one place where there are stairs, and that's in the, the Battle on Falma. That's not in the... Um, and so it, we've speculated whether that was something about the horn, but I, I do think that was him following skimming Baalzamon and into a dream shard by skimming. But I'd just like to point out that the memories in his head... I do think are totally because of the taint leaking across, but there's no LTT, just some memories. And that was the end of chapter 57. This is chapter 58, the traps of Ruidian. And our symbol is the snake in the wheel. Darkness surrounded him. Once the door vanished blackness stretching in all directions, yet he could see there was no sensation of heat or cold, even wet as he was no sensation at all only existence. Plain gray stone steps rose in front of him, each step hanging unsupported, arching out until they dwindled from sight. He had seen these before, or their like, 
Somehow, he knew they would take him where he had to go. He ran up the impossible stairs, and as his boot left each one behind with its damp footprint, it faded away, vanished. Only steps ahead waited, only those taking him where he had to go. That was as it had been before, too. Did I make these with the power, or do they exist some other way? With the thought, the gray stone under his foot began to fade, and all the others ahead shimmered. Desperately, he concentrated on, the, on them, gray stone and real, real. The shimmering stopped. They were not so plain now, but polished, the edges carved in a fancy border he thought he recalled seeing somewhere before. No. That is Teleron Riyadh, if I've ever seen it. Yeah. Okay, Morgane's, that's a great question. I'm having a lot of thoughts while I'm reading this. I think it is, and it makes, I think it is skimming, and it makes me wonder if the kind of traditional skimming, for lack of a better term, that we see later in the series is this. It just looks different, right? The floating platform instead of running up a flight of stairs. Yeah, I mean, here we figure out he switches. He goes from the step, and he's like, oh, I can just make the step move. And then he makes a bigger step, and that's the platform. So you make a gateway into Teleran Riyadh, and then in Teleran Riyadh, you travel and then make a gateway back out. And right. as opposed to what you know, because we have the kind of complicated rules that govern where you can make gateways from and to, um, sometimes you have to skim. And I think that's what it is. Yeah? Seems like everyone's agreeing with me. Yes, thank you, Zarth. Or the space between dreams. Kind of like what is where the ways are. The ways are in a place that is not a place. And I bet it's surrounded by all the stars of the dream. The void. The one that Egwene hangs out in sometimes. Yeah, the void. And sealed inside that is the world, and inside of that is the Dark One in his prison. So Rand's looking down at the now fancy stairs. Not caring where he had seen them before. Not sure he dared to think too long on it. He ran as hard as he could, taking the steps three at a time through the endless dark. They would take him where he wanted to go, but how long would it take? How much head start did Asmodian have? Did the Forsaken know a faster way to travel? That was the trouble. The Forsaken had all the knowledge. All he had was desperation. It's one of my favorite lines in this book. Why didn't Asmodian travel directly instead of skimming? maybe he didn't know the place well enough that's yeah i guess that's the only option that i can think of he just got to the golden bowl and and skimmed from there looking ahead he winced the steps had accommodated themselves to his long stride with wide spaces between between requiring those leaps now across black as deep as as what a fall here might never end he forced himself to ignore the gaps to keep running the old, half-healed wound in his side began to throb, a vague awareness. But if he was aware of it at all, wrapped inside Sidene, the wound was close to breaking open. Ignore it, he thinks. The thought floated across the void inside him. He did not dare lose this race, not if it killed him. Would these steps never stop climbing? How far had he come? Suddenly, he saw a figure in the distance ahead, and off to his left, a man, it seemed, in a red coat and red boots, standing on a glistening silvery platform that slid through the darkness. Rand needed no closer look to be sure it was Asmodian. The Forsaken was not running like a half-spent country boy. He was riding that whatever it was. Rand stopped dead on one of the stone steps. He had no idea what that platform was, shining like polished metal, but the steps ahead of him vanished. The piece of stone beneath his boots began to glide forward. 
faster and faster. There was no wind in his face to tell him he was moving, nothing in that vast black to mark motion at all, except that he was beginning to catch up to Asmodian. He did not know if he was doing this with the power. It just seemed to happen. The step wobbled, and he made himself stop wondering. I don't know enough yet. Um, and I think I think that kind of proves the, our little our theory there. He's not using the power to move the platform. He's willing it forward. No, not at all. And also here in a second, we're going to see the black wires around Asmodian. We've only ever seen those in Teleron Riyadh when he was fighting Baalzamon in a dream shard. That's a great point. Do we ever see the black wires anywhere other than Teleron Riyadh? Never. <sighs> nice. Uh, also point out that now that he's channeling a bunch of power, the Pathfield wound is starting to throb again. Yep. Exposure to the taint causes it to hurt. I think I think that's just because he opened a gateway and yeah made a storm made a well, rainstorm in Ruidium. Yeah, he pulled in a lot of power to make that rainstorm. So I'm guessing you know the the taint that came off of that power was was significant enough to cause some some throbbing. I'm guessing Leia says true power, and I mean we see the black cables connected to Asmodian. I, that doesn't necessarily mean that's just his connection to the dark one. Yeah, I, I think sir. The taint is also connected to the Dark One, and so whenever he's using a lot of power, he's gets getting exposed to the taint, which is basically the true power. So it's either exposure to the true power or lots of the male half of the one power. Right, before it's cleansed. So there's kind of, you're exposed anyway, basically. If Rand channels Sidene now, he's exposed to the taint. And part of what these black threads do for Asmodian is filter the taint off when he uses the power, right? I'm guessing those black threads are actually how the Dark One pulls the taint away from Asmodian before it corrupts him. I like it. I don't have any set as, anything set aside to read over the next little bit. It's kind of They're Asmodian fire sees back him. And yeah, and they, Asmodian throws a bunch of fire that Rand deflects, and then Rand at some point like wraps Asmodian's fire in his fire and sends it back, and it's a whole thing, and then... They get, and then Asmodian gets there first, a little ahead of Rand, and jumps through a gateway that Rand holds open. Um, just makes his platform slam into the quote wall unquote. That's everything around the gateway. Of course, it's nothing, but the gate, his platform stops abruptly when it gets to the gateway and just launches him out into the world. <laughs> he did it <laughs> Which, with his mind, man. <laughs> I mean, he did, but maybe not an effective measure method of travel, but catapult. Sure. <laughs> I mean, if he'd gone any slower, he probably would have gotten cut in half because it definitely cut his boot heel off. Yeah. He's trying to, trying to hold it open. I don't know if that's effective, but you're right. As he goes through, this is actually the fir- very first time I caught that. As Rand is flying through, hit, hit the heel of his boot hits the gateway, and that's what the tug is. I thought he's just flying out and hits something and starts tumbling. But he describes no, feeling that- a tug on his shoe, and then he's yep. flying through the air. It's the gateway closing, on, and it just catches the last little bit of him going through the gateway. Fortunately, it's not his toes. Spiraling through the air. Yeah. And and he refers to that a couple of, that's like every once in a while he talks about gateways and like, he's like, oh, I want to make sure I hold it open because I don't want the same thing to happen to my boot to happen to this person. And what he's talking about is getting cut in half. <laughs> I'm looking at Grinley. He adjusted his clothes, tucking the car for little man and his sword firmly in place. Like he has it like stuck in his waistband. And then, so 
Power filling him did nothing to make him see better here, running blind. Abruptly, he threw himself down, rolling the last stride out of a fog onto the gritty paving stones. Lying there, he stared up at three bright ribbons, silver blue in the strange light of Ruidian, stretching left and right, floating in the air. What is that? Is it just some trap that Asmodian left? I think it's just very three... Yeah, it's a trap that Asmodian left, because he knew Rand was running after him, and he thought that... You know, so I think there it's just weaves of air to leave giant razor blades hanging in the air so that Rand would slam into them. Yeah. And super thin. So if you're looking at them straight on, it'd be just looking at a, you know, a string. But if you run into them, it just slices, you You know, the momentum's just going to carry the blades right through you. Yeah, that's what I thought, but I wasn't sure. Kind of imagine, God, you remember that evil dead where they're in the hallway and the lasers go through them and cut them into little chunks? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> just, Yeah. It's like stringing piano wire across a hallway that someone's running down, and like they run into it, and you can just they can cut their own neck. Gotcha. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a pretty nasty one. My question is, how did he know to avoid it? Yeah, why does he throw himself to the ground? He knows somehow that something's happening. He feels it somehow. Mm-hmm. Because then, when he's he's lying on his back, looking up at the giant razor blades floating in the sky, for lack of a better way to say it, I, this, there's this line here. He could see how they had been made and hung, even if he did not understand it. Which tells me it's something done with Sidine. Oh, so I guess he must not have inverted it. So maybe he saw enough of the enough of it coming out of the air that he, or maybe he just you know knows Asmodian well enough to figure there's a trap there. Um, and to just dodge. Oh, yeah. And there, it's like right as he's leaving the fog, Asmodian made those, the razors, so that Rand, hopefully Rand would have run right into them and cut himself in half. Right. Because you can't see in the fog. So, and he couldn't make them in the fog because the, for some reason, Rudian, that fog resists channeling yeah that was my next thing um Lanfear makes an offhanded comment about it but she's like but now that it's destroyed i don't see i don't know exactly what this was but there's a right. some kind of block here because we see after that ran channeled it seemed oddly difficult he pulled at sidine wrenched at it until it raged into him i had a real big question about that because somehow that takes ruidian out of the world and we saw that because it doesn't show up until i run riyadh mm-hmm it's just definitely a special place that somehow the Jen and the Aes Sedai that we saw in the visions removed it from this world and preserved it for Rand's coming, really for this battle. Yeah, it's something. <laughs> and I, my theory is that the, the mist is either generated by a Terangrial or several, and it does a couple of different things. You can't enter or leave Ruidian in the world of dreams. It seems very difficult to channel, but possible. And we see that uh, something a little like that with, oh gosh, farmatting? Yeah. Yeah. And that's farmatting has a different effect, but it seems kind of similar. So it seems like maybe along a similar line. That's my theory. So this brings me to Nakomi. Mm-hmm. I previously said Nakomi is Jen. Based on the reading when she appears, I don't think you can read it as any other way, which puts her in a pretty narrow time frame, right? From basically, she somehow has to either be an old gen or preserved or a spirit gen or something like that, or someone taking the form of gen. But I'm willing to take her on her word. And we've also seen that souls 
can be represented frequently as mist. Mashadar, you know, just... Uh, so here's my theory. With the destruction of Ruidian, Ran broke the barrier that let Nakomi come out as she was the soul of the gen in mist form. And she sacrificed herself to make the mist yeah. that protects Ruidian. And, and by destroying Ruidian, they destroy the need for her to be uh, around anymore. And so maybe she's around, but only in Teleron Riyadh. And that's why when she meets with Avienda, Avienda falls asleep. We see her close her eyes before she meets the Jen. So she falls asleep and then um, Nakomi shows up. And then again, we see when um, we see her again when Rand is emerging from the hole. But at that point, you know, all the realms are merged. There's not really any difference between Teleron Riyadh and the real world. And she's only whispering mm-hmm. in his head. So he, you know, it's possible that she's talking to him, not necessarily. You know, there's a lot of weird stuff going on with him and, and weaving existence like to Teleron Riyadh. So, so Nakomi is not a person. She's a sort of spirit, like the hunters, or like, not the hunters, like the heroes. Yes. Yeah. Sort of a, a Gen Aiel type spirit hero person who may be the opposite of Mashadar is what I'd give her. Like, if there's an evil oh, mist. I like that a lot. Then yeah. she's the good mist. She's the balance. Well, Rand is the balance to the Dark One. Nakomi is the balance to Mashadar. Because they both, the, like, Mashadar is sunk in Shadar Logoth, and uh, Nakomi is sunk in Ruidian. Kelsey, I think that is we're kind of drawing a comparison. Yeah, more of a comparison. The mist that yeah. rolls in with the heroes is a type of magic that can, has something to do with the passage between the world of dreams to the real world ogier i would disagree with your assertion that they share similar powers um the things we see nakomi do we only see her do in teleron Riyadh, which is anyone can create things in teleron Riyadh. rand has special powers because he does such in the real world i want to to, to say that they're the same but i i can't uh i don't have any good points because it does. Well, the pipe lighting looks like how you would light a pipe in Teleran Riyadh. Right? right. But he's not in Teleran Riyadh. I think it's a side of, as far as I can tell, the pipe lighting is a side effect of him weaving realities during his battle with the Dark One. It's got something to do with that. His will, uh, and there's also like the Taverin-ness. And, you know, later in the series, Rand can just do things with his Tavarinness. He can kind of will things to happen. I feel like he talks about not really being able to need to channel. I mean, much, much later in the series, or at least threatens people with that. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's something to it. I'm nodding. So give us some feedback on that. We threw a lot of new stuff out there. I made a connection that I haven't made before with the mist. That was actually, uh, that was on the spot. Um, so help me out. See if you can pull out any details that I may have missed when just coming up with that. But yeah, I really like the symmetry of the mist in Shadar Logoth and the mist in Ruidian being opposites and each having an embodiment with Moradin and Nakomi. I mean, balance is such an important part of the series. How could we not have a balance to Shadar Logoth? How could we not have a good good city oh beeples thank you sent me the quote or probably paraphrase quote do you believe i could stop your heart right now if i simply wished it Peaked i think he's threatened cod swain with that yeah and maybe maybe not but by the end of the series definitely 
<laughs> I'm enjoying my evolving theory of Nokomi. I think I'm, I'm as we go through the series, I'm, I feel like I'm getting a couple of little pieces of evidence here. But this is this is a weird one. Yeah, I feel I think like I'm. There are some I, clues there, but I. Man. It's certainly a stretch. I'm sure a lot of you are going to disagree with me on this one, but I'm I'm liking it a lot. All right, so back to the chapter. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I have kind of the moment where they're physically fighting over the... The um, Choden Call? Yeah. Okay. The Turangrial and other precious things the Aiel had given their lives to bring here were hurled into the air by lightning, tossed wildly by spinning whirlwinds of fire, constructs of silver and crystal shattering, strange metal shapes toppling as the ground shivered and broke open in wide rents. Searching wildly, Asmodian ran and flung himself at what might seem the least significant thing in all that litter, a carved white stone figurine, perhaps a foot long, lying on its back, a man holding a crystal sphere in one upraised hand, Asmodian closed his hands on it with an exultant cry. A heartbeat later, Rand's hands grasped it too. For the barest instant, he stared into the Forsaken's face. He looked no different than he had as a gleeman, except for a wild desperation in his dark eyes. A somewhat handsome man in his middle years. Nothing at all to say he was one of the Forsaken. The barest instant, and they both reached through the figure, through the Terangrial, for one of the two most powerful Sangreal ever made. Vaguely, Rand was aware of a great half-buried statue in far-off Kyrian, of the huge white crystal sphere in its hand, glowing like the sun, pulsing with the one power, and the power in him surged up like all the seas of the world in storm. With this, surely he could do anything, surely he could even have healed that dead child. The taint swelled as much, curling round every particle of him, seeping into every crevice, into his soul. He wanted to howl. He wanted to explode. Yet he only held half of what that Saangrial could deliver. The other half filled his modian. 
There's a couple of good things in there. Rand's reference to the little, the dead little girl in the battle for the Stone of Tear that sure. he tried to resurrect. Um, we see him getting exposed to a massive amount of taint. I mean, he's pulling in so much power. Mm-hmm. This is world-destroying power that he's ta- pulling on half of. We see him like rearrange the local geography um, pretty easily. Yeah, and I wanted to say, or, or to ask, rather, when we went through, gosh, probably the Great Hunt. Yeah, I think it's in the Great Hunt. When, cause, yes, because Selene is there. And Rand sees the big half-unburied statue that is being unburied by Barthanus's men. Did we ever take the time to speculate that Barthanus is under control of one of the Forsaken who's having him unbury the statue to make another access key so that they can use it? I don't know, but... The thought just hit me. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think I think we knew that he was a dark friend and we assumed he was, you know, digging it up on Forsaken yeah, well, orders, I but I I don't think we did it uh, in order to like make a new access key. I don't, I'm not sure if that's even possible. Oh, that's 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 just what I thought because I don't know if you can walk up to the Sangreal and just use it, or if you need the access key. No, it'll burn you out in a heartbeat. You need the buffer. The Sangreal has to buffer the power of the Sangreal. But sure would be desirable, and if that's all you have to do, I would think they would figure out a way to get that thing working again. Uh, we get a little cameo from the Twisted Redstone doorframe. Oh. <laughs> Was that in what I just read or the next? They, as they rolled over and over, banging now against a redstone doorframe that somehow still stood. <laughs> now against the falling crystal it. statue lying on its side unbroken. A nude woman. I think these are all just random tear on Griot. Oh, yeah. I couldn't. Couldn't the nude woman, a nude woman clasping a child to her breast? I kind of assume is an Angriol, but uh, there's no real follow up or way to know unless uh, Avienda picks him up. Yeah, the redstone doorframe is totally. I didn't even I didn't even notice that because there's like a list of other Terangriol that are flying through the air. Yeah, he just likes to stick that in there every once in a while. And it's it's the only one that doesn't appear to be getting thrown into the air. It's just sitting there in this in all the madness. Let's also resist falling over. It, those they don't they'll, they'll stay upright pretty much no matter what. Yeah. And so he's there's just almost I think of this battle as the opposite of Nynaeve and Mogedian because Mogedian and Nynaeve is very internal. They are pushing on each other and they're just in this pushing match and nothing's really happening until somebody wins. Where I feel like Rand and Asmodian are in this polling match where they're just like yanking power out of this thing and tossing it all over the place and it's going flying and coming back and rebounding and getting sent away and just destroying everything. And so you have this like opposite of just like instead of these, you know, a rock in a hard place, immovable object and unstoppable force going up against each other and nothing happening, you have, you know, explosions and just uncontrollable force being thrown around uh, in random directions. And Rand describes to us a little of what's happening with the power rather than um, what's like physically happening, happening around them, but it's exactly what you would imagine. It's hammers of power large enough to level mountains struck at Rand. Blades that could have pierced the Earth's heart. Unseen pincers tried to tear his mind from his body. And uh, I think timing-wise, doesn't it work out that this is happening at the same time in Tanchico? that this is literally the same time that Mogedian is fighting Nynaeve because it's their final chapter, which was one chapter before. So 
I am, my my head canon is that Rand is fighting Asmodian in the same minute that Nynaeve is fighting uh, Mogedian, and not to always bring up the TV show, but to bring up the TV show, that would make a great episode where you flash between the two of them and you have this silent, uh, quiet battle and then this loud, destructive, outgoing, massive battle. I'm and nodding. Could, like swap between the two of them and have like parallels and like when Rand is winning, you can show Nynaeve gaining ground and when and vice versa. Yeah, I think it's sometimes hard to to know exactly or to be able to pin it down, but I think RJ's intent is often that these things are happening simultaneously. Yeah, there's often one simultaneous battle happening in multiple locations on multiple continents or in multiple cities. He had not seen those strange things like black steel wires around Asmodian since leaving the dark place, but he could visualize them even in the void, place them in his mind around the Forsaken. Tam had taught him the void was an aid to archery, to be one with the bow, the arrow, the target. He made himself one with those imagined black wires. He barely saw Asmodian frown. The man must be wondering why his face had grown calm. There was always calm in the moment before the arrow was loosed. He reached through the small angreal in his waistband, and more of the power flowed into him. He did not waste time on exulting. It was such a small flow beside what he had already contained, and this was his final blow. This would use his final strength. He formed it like a sword of power, a sword of light, and struck, one with the sword, one with the imagined wires. Asmodian's eyes went wide, and he screamed, a howl from the depths of horror. Like a struck gong, the forsaken quivered. For an instant, there seemed to be two of him, shivering away from each other. Then they slid back together. He fell over on his back, arms flung out, in his now dirty, tattered red coat, chest heaving, staring up at nothing. His dark eyes looked lost. As he collapsed, Rand lost his hold on Sidene, and the power left him. He had barely enough strength to clutch the Terangriel to his chest and roll away from Asmodian. Pushing himself to his knees felt like climbing a mountain. He huddled around the figure of the man with the crystal sphere. The earth had stopped moving. The glass columns still stood. He was grateful for that. Destroying them would have been like obliterating the history of the Aiel. But Avendasura, that had lived three thousand years in legend and truth, Avendasura blazed like a torch. And as for the rest of Ruidian... Okay. A couple of things in there. First of all, he uses a sword of pure light. Not a sword of fire. Not a sword of air. Pure sword light. light. I think... This is only the second time that he uses pure light, and I think it leads up to really only the third time, which is in his battle with the Dark One. He rarely ever uses something made purely out of light. And I think when they say the Eye of the World was made for the greatest purpose ever, it was to teach him how to channel the pure light. The opposite of the Dark One. Yeah. As opposed to, like, like, aspects of the light. I saw that, yeah. I didn't really put that together as well but it's like rand is looking for the tool that would hurt the the dark strings right and he picks Mm -hmm. something that seems kind of like the opposite where the the sword is made of pure light and it's sharp and thin or and the cables are like round thick i imagine kind of gross looking (laughs) black roots that come from nowhere yeah. Uh, he calls them like black steel cables, so I imagine thinner yeah. and taut. Uh, but yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, Mer- Mergaines, when I first saw that, I kind of thought Balefire as well, but I, I don't think so because the mm-hmm. afterward doesn't give us the same, the flickering and stuff, the the color changing and, and things like that. Yeah, and Balefire is just such a very specific thing, yeah. There is the weird, for an instant, there seem to be two of him, two Asmodians. Well, I think what that is, is there's an As- there's Asmodian and then the piece of his soul the Dark One has, and then by cutting him off, that like that he's basically coming back, the Dark Putting One back has a piece of you, yeah. And that's also what happens, like, if you killed him, what would the Dark One do? Well, he's got a piece of your soul, and so you would snap back to him. That makes sense. Ogier's asking, similar to what he channels in Veins of Gold, in reference to the, I think, the Sword of Light. That's what that's what I would assume. Yeah, that there is this this pure light, right? We we talk a lot about weaving one of the five aspects of it, and I think in maybe an episode a long time ago, one of the things we were keeping out for an eye out for is when does he actually channel light over one of the aspects, one of the five aspects? And this is again one of the few times that it's come up, and I think it's sort of like a training montage of Rand on how to like fight the dark one, and then poor Avendisora. It does survive though. It's not not permanently dead. I, you know, the first couple of times I never realized it like actually was on fire. Yeah, <laughs> like the whole thing went up in fire and charred on the Blazed outside, like a torch. In Rand's words, amazing that it survived. I'll read a little more just to describe the the plaza. Looked as if everything had been picked up and flung about by a mad giant. Half the great palaces and towers were only heaps of rubble. Some spilling into the square. Huge toppled columns marred others, and fallen walls, and empty gaps where huge windows of colored glass had been. A rift ran the whole way across the city, a split in the earth fifty feet wide. The destruction did not end there. The dome of fog that had hidden Ruidian for so many centuries was dissipating. The underside no longer glowed, and harsh sunlight poured through great new gaps. Beyond, Chandar's peak looked different, lower, and on the other side of the valley, some of the mountains were definitely lower. Where one mountain had stood, a fan of stone and dirt stretched across the north end of the valley. To literally change the landscape with this battle. Oh, absolutely. Ma- different mountains in the distance, a giant rift running through, which fills with water and becomes the new, you know, biggest lake in the waste. The Lake of Ruidian, yeah. Yeah. The Lake of Ruin. Is that what you said? <laughs> the Lake of Ruidian, but... Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. I mean, yes to both. <laughs> um, and so, you know, it's, it's one of the things, even though it's destroyed with that lake there, it's going to become one of the most populated places in the Aiel Waste. And then Lanfear shows up. She must have followed him there. Yeah, She makes some quip about like, oh, I do enjoy my watching men fight, but the two of you are too tired or whatever. Right. She waits until they beat each other up and then shows up being like, okay, so now that you're both on the ground bleeding. Mm, that was uh, cute. <laughs> Asmodian asks for help. Of course she doesn't. Shock. Who the hell asked Lanvir for help? Seriously? Right? Have you met her? Have you met her? <laughs> She's going to like make it worse just because you asked for help. Yeah. Grab your freaking tuft of grass, you lazy cowardly bastard although asmodian s- seems horrified yes and begs lanfear for help and um she like scoffs or whatever and um she's and he says you don't you don't understand what just happened you don't understand what he did <laughs> she says and she basically says something like kicked your ass is what he did and and <laughs> asmodian's like no he cut me off from the dark one and even she seems aghast for a moment she didn't think it was possible. Oh, no. Rand fills it in. 
Well, while they're talking about it, Rand yells, I cut him off from the dark fin. Dark, I cut him off from the dark one, Lanfear. Her eyes widened in shock. I did not think that was possible. And my assumption is that's one of the things the Dark One can only do in Shale Ghoul is make that soul connection. And that's how he resurrects you. That's how he protects you from the taint. Like, all that stuff can only happen in one place. Because, like, like with the Gosura, Gosuvra, the soul trap. Oh, yeah, the soul trap. We know that can only be done in one location. And I'm assuming, and she says that's not the only thing. There's lots of things that can only be done in that one location. And I'm assuming that the the connection to the Dark One that he has with these Forsaken, these black wires, are formed during a visit to Sheogul. So then the rest of this is like, so she turns Asmodian over to Rand, puts that shield on him. Yeah, which is like, I, I imagine it as like, how can I describe this? A shield with a hole in it. It's like... It's a donut shield. Yes. <laughs> Funnel would be a better word. Thank you, Obscure. Yeah, so like it, it blocks mostly everything, and as no matter how hard you pull, like no matter how much water you put in the top of that funnel, only so much can come through. Just little squirts popping out. Yeah. And she does say it's going to fade over time. It's hard to know if she's lying about that or if Asmodian just doesn't live that long. Because he only lasts, I think, in real time a couple, a month or two from here on out. It's not very long before he, because yeah. it's just like the end of the next book. He only lasts one more book. And as we all know, we're in compressed time here. We're not going through six months in a book at a time anymore. Right. So I, th- I think in real time, he just doesn't have enough. He's not alive long enough for the shield to fade. I think so. And th- the only way I can think of for her to do it would be to make this slightly different kind of shield and then tie it off. Right. Because I mean, and the trouble with the forsaken is they they always might know something that you don't. And it's just, it's hard to say. This could be some other trick, but it probably is just that. It's probably just a tied-off shield. That's my guess, yeah. Um, So unless someone were to remove it, and I suppose it's inverted if Lanfear did it, because nobody, none of the women seem to be able to see what she did. I also find it very interesting, this phrase about, you must be willing to accept pain, and he never could, to break through a shield. I thought that was interesting, too. Because we obviously... Yeah, we see Rand crush a shield from the box. So he doesn't really talk about how painful that is, but just just a, a thought to keep in your head. He's already in so much pain, it probably would yeah. you probably wouldn't Didn't know the difference register. anyway. I, I did think that was interesting that, well, Lanfear knows that Asmodian isn't skilled in this way, whatever that means. And you have to be able to embrace pain to break a shield. He's too selfish to embrace pain. And then he gives away Lanfear's real name. Marin or Myron. Mirin, I think is how they say it in the audiobooks. Uh. And so ne- then we see what I think is Balefire. Yeah, I'll. You want me to read this part? I, th- I think I'll read yeah. this part actually because I was a little. This part is a little confusing. And I'll start with Asmodian is saying, Mirin, please. My name is Lanfear, she says. Rage twisted her face to ugliness. And the man lifted into the air, spread-eagled, his clothes pressed to him and the flesh of his face distorted, spread out like butter under a rock. Rand could not let her kill the man, but he's too tired to touch the true source unaided. He could barely sense it, a dim glow just out of sight. For an instant, his hands tightened on the stone man with the crystal sphere. If he reached through the huge Saangriel and the Kyrian again now, that much of the power might destroy him. Instead, he reached through the 
carving in his waistband. With the Angrial, it was a feeble flow, a hair-thin trickle compared to the other, but he was too weary to pull more. He hurled it all between the two forsaken, hoping to distract her if nothing else. A bar of white-hot fire ten feet tall streaked between the pair in a blur, surrounded by arcing blue lightning, searing a pace-deep groove across the square, a smooth-sided gash glowing with melted earth and stone. The fiery shaft struck a green-streaked palace wall and exploded, the roar buried in the rumble of collapsing marble. Let's leave it there. That's halfway through the paragraph, but... You know what? Listening to that makes me think it's not Balefire. For a couple of reasons. The One, we know... We don't... The lightning surrounding it, we don't see the inverting of colors. We don't see, you know, items just vanishing entirely. And you know what? The, just last chapter, we saw heavy use of Balefire in the palace. You know, I think I should read the rest of this, actually, because there's a little bit here. Palace wall exploded. On one side of the melted slash as Modian dropped to the pavement in a shuddering heap, blood trickling from his nose and ears. On the other, Lanfear staggered back as if struck, then rounded on Rand. He swayed with the effort of what he had done and lost Sidene once more. It almost seems like a... Dragon's breath. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's, that's a force that's like, you, you know, when an actual real-life ordinance goes off, people who are not so close to it that their your organs are are uh, immediately vaporized can have things like that like you can still uh, you know your nose might bleed for instance right right or your right. ears because the these sensitive parts there's still this concussion pressure wave that is actually what kills you yeah. in in an explosion most of the time it's just the concussive force not the not the fire and not the shrapnel the air moves so fast that it yeah punches you <laughs> for lack of a better way to say it on every square inch of your body right it's like brief exposure to being deep underwater you just get crushed briefly mm-hmm. and the human body not so great at getting crushed it's really just not designed to compress like that like it has certain tolerances and you go beyond those tolerances and shit breaks oh i you know i did want to have a quick discussion about using multiple saw angriel and angriel at the same time yeah, sure. And just, I'm curious how that works and what the limits are. Like, could you just keep acquiring more Angreal and more and more and more and more and get more and more powerful? I guess. As long as there's a buffer. But don't they have built-in buffers, generally? Yeah, but I just mean, if you kept adding to Angreal, I suppose you could just keep pulling, like, through the first Tarangreal or... From the first Tarangriel through the second and then into yourself. Or you could just keep making a chain like that. I, I wonder if there's Unless a limit, like, because it's like forming a circle. Basically, you bond with the uh, the Angriel. I wonder if it's like a, a limit of 13. Beyond that, you can't actually bond I would like to one. think there's some kind of limit, but I guess we never really see someone with enough of them. Right. We see Rand with several in certain cases. Can you imagine like a full circle with everyone having thirteen on- Sangreal in the? <laughs> and uh, you know we we certainly see a lot of the women using lots of Terangreal, yeah, all together at the same time. But that's not the same because those are like using many tools at once. It's not the same as using many amplifiers, right? To, you am- he's he's amplifying an amplifier. 
And if you keep doing that, I don't know, man. Is it additive Maybe. or is it multiple, multiple, uh, multiplicative? Because if you're multiple, if you're like amplifying your amplified power, then it's exponential power. However, if you're just like only able to amplify your own little bit of right. power, if Rand is two times two from the from the fat man times ten from the Choden call times, can you keep going? Could he could he throw the calendar on top of there? Maybe I feel it, like if you added Calendar in, it would mess everything up. Maybe. Well, and, sure. And um, let's say, let's out. say, well, let's say he was in a bond with three women, two women, and they were controlling it. Like, I would say so. Yeah. And then add on top of that, the cup and chalice. So we never see it. Yeah. I, w- I would love to know. Yeah. Who, who knows exactly? Yeah. No, yeah, we never see it, but I'd love to, I'd love to think about, I'd love to know about the mechanics of, of, uh, adding in more and more on And if there's a limit to that. So let's let's see if we've got a question for that would be a good question for Team Jordan to throw out there. Oh yeah, that's a fun one. Is there any limit to to that? So Rand stops Lanfear from whatever she's about to do, and for a moment, rage engorged her face as deeply as it had for Asmodian. For a moment, Rand stood on the brink of death. Then fury vanished with startling abruptness, buried behind a seductive smile. No, I mustn't kill him. Not after we have gone through so much effort. Moving closer, she reached up to stroke the side of his neck, where her bite from the dream was just healing. He had not let Moraine know of it. You still bear my mark. Shall I make it permanent? I just like that. She's so possessive <laughs> with her dream hickeys and <laughs> stealing that line more gains. <laughs> and and she's like she wants to like tattoo it on him forever her teeth marks on his just like ta- get a tattoo over the bite mark <laughs> that's why yeah it's not just dirty because it's sexy guys it's dirty because this is like this is like hardcore bdsme stuff <laughs> yeah with with fears into some weird stuff with a with a bit of hardcore uh abusiveness thrown on top of that yeah and it's not like consensual bdsme stuff this is no. like yes do you want to go in the box no too fucking bad get in the box (laughs) um then they talk and rand is like asking her which one she is because he still expects that she's in some kind of oh my brain is misfiring she's in some kind of disguise oh no i'm sorry he says which one were you like which one of the that little group yeah which one of the the traders the caravan She's asking him, do you love the little farm girl or the Aiel Jade, which I thought was an interesting. So this is where she doesn't even remember Avienda's name, even though it's been said in front of her. And she's like, who's Avienda? <laughs> Wait, is is that a reference to like the, some of the jewelry he gave her or something? Or did she just straight up get the name wrong? Aiel Jade? That's just a term. Jade is a, a... Oh, the green-eyed Aiel woman. Yeah. Is that what she means? Well, no, Jade is a term for, like, slut. Oh, I didn't know that. Jade, noun, a broken-down, vicious, or worthless horse. Two, a disreputable woman. B, a flirtatious girl. Wow, we have a million words for this, don't we? We do like to shame Discord women. was listing them, and I was like, oh, I'm thinking of a bunch that nobody's thinking of right now. Yeah. And Lanfear leaves, and the two men are together, as Modi and Shielded. And they're just left to figure out what to do next. They only spoke twice as the steps soared through the darkness. Rand opens up the... They're skimming. 
and I'm just imagining them standing there silently for a long period of time. Once, Rand said, I cannot call you Asmodian. The man shivered. My name was Jor Adam Nasosin, he said at last. He sounded as if he had stripped himself bare or lost something. I can't use that either. Who knows what scrap holds that name somewhere? The idea is to keep someone from killing you for a forsaken, and to keep anyone from knowing he had a forsaken teacher. You will have to go on being Jason Natal, I think, Gleeman to the Dragon Reborn. Excuse enough for keeping you close, Natal grimaced, but said nothing. A little later, Rand said, The first thing you'll show me is how to guard my dreams. The man only nodded, sullenly. He would cause problems but they could not be as large as the problems of ignorance. The steps slowed, stopped, and Rand folded again. The doorway opened on the ledge of Alcair Dahl. The rain had stopped, though the evening-shadowed floor of the canyon was still sodden, churned to mud by Aiel feet, fewer Aiel than before, perhaps as many as a fourth fewer, but not fighting. Staring at the ledge, where Moraine and Egwene, Avienda and the Wise Ones had joined the clan chiefs, who stood talking with Lan. Matt was squatting a little distance from them, hat brim pulled down, and black-hafted spear propped on his shoulder. Adelin and her maidens, standing around him, they gaped as Rand stepped out of the doorway, stared more when Natal followed in his tattered, shiny red coat and white lace. Matt jumped to his feet with a grin, and Avienda half-raised a hand toward him, the Aiel in the canyon watched silently. Before anyone could speak, Rand said, Adelin, would you send someone out to the fair and tell them to stop beating Isandra? She is not as big of a thief as they think. The yellow-haired woman looked startled, but immediately spoke to one of the maidens who dashed off. How did you know about that? Egwene exclaimed. At the same time, Moraine demanded, Where have you been? How? Her wide, dark eyes darted from him to Natale. Her eyes said I calm, nowhere in evidence, and the wise one's sun-haired Mulane looked ready to drag answers out of him with her bare hands. Bear scowled, though she meant to switch them out. Amis shifted her shawl and ran fingers through her pale hair, unable to decide whether she was worried or relieved. Adelin handed him his coat, still damp. He wrapped it around the two stone figures. Moraine was considering those, too. He did not know if she even suspected what they were but he intended to hide them as best he could from anyone. If he could not trust himself with Kalandor's power, how much less with the great Saangriel? Not until he learned more of how to control it and himself. I thought I would leave my read there, but this is kind of where we hear the report on what happened. Rand says immediately after that, what happened here? Um, he asks to, to the wise ones and the group of clan chiefs that are hanging around, and they say, the Shadow... The shadow have gone, following Kuladin. Rurik says, All who remain acknowledge you as the Karakarn. And Han, clan chief of the Tomanel, I, I think, said some of my Tomanel went as well. And Goshen, and Sherrod, and Chereen. And these are the brotherless. Right. Those are the folks who end up just giving it up. And they kind of tell Rand, like, they're not going with the Shadow. Or they didn't seem to be going with the Shido, but as they leave, word will spread of what you told them, and it's breaking people. Right, and it's going to break all of the Aiel. You know, you are slaying the people with of the dragon with the Sword of Peace. Really what he's doing. Did you, did you notice Avienda's little half-wave when he uh, sh reappeared? 
She was like, oh, hi. Oh, thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> no, I didn't even catch that. Matt jumped to his feet with a grin, and Avienda half-raised a hand toward him. Just a little, little half-raised hand. Not like full wave. Hey. <laughs> Just like, oh, you're alive. Yay. But she's oh, not- she likes seeing him. Yeah. Yeah, she does. <laughs> Check out that flirting. It's hardcore. <laughs> Rand doesn't notice. Aiel. Aiel flirting. Oh, my God. She waved at him. You know how freaking obvious that is to the rest Scandalous. of the Aiel? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you might as well have thrown him a kiss. Rourke says none of the Tardad left. Not pridefully, but as a simple statement of, fa- of fact, we are ready to go where you lead. So the Aiel that have assembled are now Rand's army. Um, and many will join them as they move. Yes. Because there are Aiel out there in the waste who are still running to make this meeting, which was set for about a month from now. And they don't know what, what's happening. So they're, they're trying to catch Rand's party. And the, the rest of the time we spend chasing Kooladin, we, or we spend a good chunk of time chasing down Kooladin into the wetlands and across the, the tower in order to basically execute the Shido. Right. Do you want to read us out? Yeah. I've been saying Jayadine. Does anybody want to correct me on that? I think that's pretty accurate. Jayadine waited beside the ledge with Matt's gelding. Motioning the tail to stay close, Ran climbed into the saddle, coat-wrapped bundle secure under his arm. Mouth twisted, the once forsaken came to stand by his left stirrup. Adelin and her remaining maidens leapt down to form around them, and surprisingly... Avienda climbed down to take her usual place on his right. Matt jumped to Pips's saddle in one bound. Rand looked back up at the people on the ledge, all of them watching, waiting. It will be a long road back. Bale turned his face away, long and bloody. The Aiel faces did not change. Egwene half stretched out a hand toward him, eyes pained, but he ignored her. When the rest of the clan chiefs come, it begins. It began long ago, Ruark said quietly. The question is where and how it ends. For that, Rand had no answer. Turning the dapple, he rode slowly across the canyon, surrounded by his peculiar retinue. Aiel parted in front of him, staring, waiting. The night's cold was already coming on. End. The Shadow Rising. get one of our the cute little tidbits from the fourth age at, at the real last page of the book which is relevant so i'll read it and when the blood was sprinkled on the ground where nothing could grow the children of the dragon did spring up the people of the dragon armed to dance with death and he did call them forth from the wasted lands and they did shake the world with battle from the wheel of time by suleiman so bagged chief historian at the court of the sun the fourth age i noticed that the name of that book is the same as the name of this book (laughs) all right glossary should i read us in (laughs) so the children of the dragon (laughs) mythos i think i said that last time isn't that a greek myth 
that you sprinkle dragon's blood on the ground and soldiers rise up in their place? I don't know. Uh, that Greek, like... I thought that was a Roman myth. Yeah, like a Greek or Roman myth of uh, the ancient gods. On dirt, humans are usually made out of dirt in the stories. Dirt and something magic. Aha. In myth, dragon's teeth feature prominently in the legends of the Phoenician prince Cadmus and Jason's quest for the Golden Fleece. In each case, the dragons are real and breathe fire. Their teeth, once planted, would grow into fully armed warriors, the children of the dragon. Huh. So the classical legends of Cadmus and Jason have given rise to the phrase, to sow the dragon's teeth. Yeah. Uh, and And the Argonauts, right? Jason and the Argonauts. I don't really remember that story. Or much about it. Something about a cloak. <laughs> That's literally all I remember. That's the golden fleece, right? Yeah. 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 To sow dragon's teeth is used as a metaphor to refer to doing something that is the effect of tor- for- fomenting disputes. So basically, by planting dragon's teeth, you create the soldiers that are the Aeel, and they survive by basically constantly warring and fighting. So like a dragon's fang? Yeah. To sow, to foment discord? You might say that. Thank you for listening to the Wheel of Time Spoilers podcast. Rate us in the Apple Podcast app or support us on Patreon. Is that good enough? As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.